0: More than 3,300 were helped last year alone because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number 2, t, dot, org.
3: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: With the left struggling to find a coherent message heading into the midterm elections, Democrats are hoping that the recently leaked draft decision from the Supreme Court will help rally their voters. But with Americans facing high gas prices, inflation, and a president who's not seriously addressing any of those issues actually making it worse, A red wave still seems likely to be the outcome this November. We'll take a look at the political state of play right now in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Democrats don't have a lot that they can point to right now to say, yeah, don't worry, we're getting it done. I mean, Joe Biden increasingly is just clownish. Uh, It looks like he is in serious cognitive decline. Nobody actually believes that Joe Biden is good at this job or is particularly wise, skilled politically. He was the senator from Delaware for decades. Wow, we're all supposed to be impressed. This is not a guy that anybody should think should be in charge of anything of importance, never mind the United States federal government. But the good news right now is that it does seem that a red wave is on the horizon and it will crash down among the commies as long as we stay focused and as long as the American people know the truth of what has really been going on. Here is uh, J.D. Vance recently. You know, he just won the Republican primary in Ohio. He's squaring off in the general election against Tim Ryan, who we'll talk later about how he's a abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy moderate Democrat. Really? That's a thing, huh? J.D. Vance, though, in his victory speech, spoke about what kind of Republican Party we want and what we should be pushing for going forward. Watch this one.
3: Now, this campaign, I really think was a referendum on what kind of a Republican Party we want and what kind of country we want. We, we went, went to battle. Do we want a Republican Party that stands for the donors who write checks, to the club for growth, or do we want a Republican Party for the people right here in Ohio?
0: Obviously, we are at something of a moment here, a picking of, uh, of which road to take as a GOP. And I think the notion that we're gonna turn away from the donor class of the GOP, the corporatist interests, and try to actually achieve for the American people and put America's interests first as a nation is something that would be fantastic. Beyond that though, You have to look at what we are up against right now, and this is also what's dragging the Democrat polls down into uh, the abyss. As I mentioned, here is Ohio Democrat Senate uh, candidate, uh, Tim Ryan, sounding quite a bit like a Republican during the victory speech on issues of manufacturing. Watch this one.
3: I want us to be builders again. I want us to
4: dominate the electric car industry. I want us to dominate the battery industry. I want us to dominate the electric truck industry. I want us to dominate the chip industry, glass industry,
3: energy in Southeast Ohio, aerospace in Southwest Ohio. I want us to be the manufacturing powerhouse of the world. I want us to help this country leapfrog China, leapfrog these other countries in all these industries. We can do it.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, why do you want to make sure that abortion is legal for all nine months of a pregnancy, though? I mean, he, he knows that he's got to say the stuff about manufacturing in Ohio, right? Obviously, he wants to make it sound like there's going to be some great economic revival if Democrats are in charge. But the Democrats are in charge. You see, this is the problem. Why, why isn't Joe Biden? Why isn't his party? Why isn't Ryan's party right now? talking about what a great economy it is, how we're leapfrogging China, to use his phrase, how we're doing all these great things in the manufacturing space. We're more competitive, we dominate the world. We're not doing any of those things because of Democrat policies right now. And they're in charge. And they spent $1.9 trillion in 2021 without a single Republican vote. They've had Biden, to the degree that he actually runs anything, I think his advisors make a lot of decisions, in charge though at the White House. So, why aren't they telling us about all the great victories, all the great decision making that they've had? Oh, because they're just going to keep selling you on next time we'll do it the right way. Uh, but how can you trust people when they've got it the wrong way at this point uh, in the process? How can you trust the Democrats that they're going to turn things around? You see, today the stock market got absolutely crushed today, the biggest loss it's had since the start of the pandemic. You've got inflation at 8.5%. You've got a Biden administration whose only real plan for trying to help the economy is to spend five trillion more dollars with the Build Back Better agenda, but that's not going to actually help. It's actually going to make inflation worse if you actually believe in cause and effect. So what is it they're going to do now? They're losing on some of the culture war issues they thought they would win on. They're losing on the indoctrination of children in uh, trans ideology and gender identity theory, on critical race theory, on school shutdowns, which we'll talk about later on the program. A whole range of issues where Democrats are just weak right now. So they're hoping in this moment, it seems, this is according to Colorado Democratic Senator Michael Bennett, that, oh, the Roe v. Wade decision that hasn't even come down yet, may come down from the Supreme Court pretty soon here, to overturn Roe, which is a horrible legal decision, and we all know it, that that will swing the election for the Democrats' watch.
5: I think it, it, it's important for us to have a vote to show where the votes are in the Senate. But it's also very important for us not to overpromise and underdeliver here. We do not have the votes next week to be able to codify Roe versus Wade. We need to codify Roe versus Wade, which is why we have to fight uh, this election to make sure that we have pro-choice majorities in the Senate and the House. And that's what these elections, you know, are partly going to be about.
0: Not really, actually. Probably going to be not a big decider at all. Uh, Democrats would like to think that they've been given some big opportunity here because, of course, the Democrat power apparatus, the DNC, the Democrat aligned media, they're all huge proponents of, of abortion and the abortion lobby, which is appalling, but that's who they are. But it's not actually going to move the voters, not in a meaningful way. Here's a map that actually shows you net approval for Biden in Senate battleground states. New Hampshire down 13%, Pennsylvania down 14%, Georgia 11 Ohio 19 Ohio down 19%, Colorado 3%, Arizona 14%, Nevada 11%. The whole good old Joe Biden, you can put him in charge, he's been around a long time, he won't, he'll just be kind of normal, no big deal. No, that wasn't true. Because his party is a radical left party. Because Joe Biden is an idiot and he does whatever the people around him tell him to do who know more than he does about what a bunch of commies the Democrat Party is actually run by. The actual top issues to the American people, according to Gallup, take a look at this inflation and gas prices, 23%. Government leadership, as in it's not good right now. Democrats are in charge, 20%. General economic issues, 19%. Immigration, 8%. Russia, 5%. Oh, wow. You mean that? All the Ukraine flags that Democrats have been putting next to their preferred pronouns haven't actually swayed the American people dramatically and made them think that Russia's the biggest issue we deal with in the whole country? Yeah, didn't, didn't work out that way, did it? Look, we are hopefully heading for a massive corrective to bring the country back to something approaching, uh, not just political, but really psychological balance, because it has become unbalanced under this Democrat administration of Joe Biden, and it's looking good right now. Despite all the stuff they can say about Roe and the Supreme Court and all these other things Democrats have been, you know, yammering on about the last few days. Here is a generic congressional ballot from Real Clear Clear Politics. Republicans 46%, Democrat 42%. GOP up 3.8%. That's the best it's been for the GOP in a long time. So we stay the course. We stick to the truth. Democrats get crushed in this election. That's where we're headed. We'll have more on the political state of play with National Review senior writer David Harsanyi in a moment. Let's talk about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not the truth. You need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, People can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mind your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, anyone with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R dot com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line.
4: Abortion is
2: on the ballot now. Seismic shift in people's attitudes and what's at stake on Election Day as they saw those who did not show up on Election Day in 2016 or those who voted for Donald Trump. These are the consequences.
0: Abortion is on the ballot, she says. Getting ready to start hearing that a lot more often from far more Democrats. They're hoping to use the issue to boost voter turnout for the midterm elections, blunting what is expected to be a Republican wave in November. While abortion has traditionally been seen as a winning issue for Democrats, or at least that's what the Democrats say, National Review's David Harsanyi thinks it might actually be an opportunity for Republicans. He writes, Chuck Schumer will hold the vote on a bill codifying abortion's legality so that voters, he contends, can see where every senator stands well, the Senate leader believes this is a political slam dunk for Democrats, it presents a magnificent opportunity for Republicans to make their case. Joining me now is our friend, David Harsani. David, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's just start, I want to talk about the broader politics here and how it may affect the midterms, but let's start first with this notion. I mean, Chuck Schumer, look, he's, he's a demagogue and a, and a slimy politician, and that's well established, but he seems to be so confident that if they hold a vote, it'll be a great opportunity for Democrats to show how pro-abortion they are, but the politics of this may be a little different than he anticipates. Explain. Well, uh, you
4: know, The first thing I think that's important to remember is that for most people, nothing really changes. And, you know, after all the sort of scaremongering about Roe v. Wade banning abortion, people are going to find out sooner or later that that's not the case, that in New York, where Chuck Schumer is from abortion, will not be banned, Um, and in most places it won't be banned. The second thing to remember is that Republican bills, most of them, like let's take the one in Florida at 15 weeks. are far more popular in specifics than anything Democrats are doing, which essentially is abortion until crowning, until birth. Um, that's That's the Democrats' new position. You saw Tim Ryan the other yesterday, I think, who's supposed to be this moderate running in Ohio, literally doesn't think there should be any kind of limitation on abortion whatsoever. That is a radical position way out of step with most Americans. So I don't think this is a winning issue for them if we actually have a debate. and Obviously, you're going to have to reach the American people, you know, circumvent the media to do it. But in the end, the Republican position right now in most states is far more popular than the Democratic position, which is abortion until crowning, paid for by taxpayers. None of that is popular right now. So you know, I'm not sure this is going to shake out how they think it will.
0: And, and I'm wondering, what do you think... The federal, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but the, the uh, effort to, to federalize abortion through legislation, I mean, wouldn't they have to, I mean, part of this that I, that I, that I wonder if they've even thought through it, right? And, and obviously these are politicians. There's, they're used to just saying boilerplate and, and using the talking points. But would it be a federal law that Democrats would vote for, that it is abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy? Because if it, if it wasn't, if, if the... Schumer's of the world, the Pelosi's of the world put something forward that said, uh, oh, well, it's only going to be abortion, you know, up until uh, whatever it is, 12 weeks, 15 weeks or, you know, till to that period, something like what Mississippi or one of these other states has. NARAL, Planned Parenthood, they're not going to be OK with that. I mean, abortion groups won't be okay with
4: that. And they are huge donors to the Democratic Party. So it's important. That's why Tim Ryan can't say anything because he needs the money from the abortion groups. So yeah, I mean, that wouldn't go over well. And honestly, you might have Democrats voting on, you know, does this, put, does, does this vote, what does this vote do to red state Democrats in Montana or in Arizona or West Virginia who would have to vote for abortion on demand paid for by taxpayers? I mean, I don't think that's going to be popular. You know, the, pro, the thing is that for years now, for decades, they've relied on the idea that abortion is a sacred God-given you know, constitutional right, and they shut down debate by saying that. Now, they actually have to come up with reasons for why they support these kinds of policies, which have radicalized over the years. And I think that that puts them in a, in a bad position. I'm not saying that it's going to help Republicans take more seats or anything like that. Um, I think it's going to be a wash, basically. But it is definitely, you know, this vote, I don't think this is a great idea. Though I also have to say Republicans have been kind of acting like cowards on this for you know, the last few days. I get that the leak is a big, you know— assault on norms and all that, you can talk about that, but you also should be defending the underlying position that you've taken as a party for a long time.
0: What do you think about the concerns that this leak of a draft Supreme Court decision, right, so it's not a, a, done, not a done deal, not by a long shot, um, that this actually creates not only incentives for further undermining of the court's integrity, misbehavior, pressure campaigns, but there's also now th- threats, essentially, that we have to take very seriously, threats against the justices who may overturn this.
2: Well, yeah,
4: I mean, I think that was the purpose of it. Listen, I think I'm gonna to wait to see, you know, if we ever find out who did it. I think that's important. Um, but there have been concerted efforts to undermine the legitimacy of the court from the Kavanaugh hearings onward to the court packing stuff that if you remember, Joe Biden was going to have this commission because it's too cowardly to say he doesn't want to do it. He was gonna have a commission look into it. Um, I think that uh, or think about Chuck Schumer. I think it was two years ago or last year, he was on the steps, I think, of the of, the, of, the, of the Congress saying, you know, there will be retribution if you do, you know, if, if you overturn Roe v. Wade. I mean, they're trying to undermine the institution. They're trying to politicize it. They're trying to scare um, Roberts probably particularly into, say, you know, into not overturning Roe v. Wade, and uh, they just want to destroy that institution. I mean, there's no other way for me to look at it anymore. When you have you know, Kamala Harris, who's now the vice president, putting rape, gang rape allegations in, on the record and things like that that she knows aren't corroborated, I think you have people who are trying to destroy the institution. So, I mean, that's part yeah, of it as well.
0: What did you think of, uh, of Jen Psaki? You may have seen this, David. She was asked about whether she would condemn the leak. Very pointedly, very clearly, didn't condemn the leak, was not interested in condemning the leak, and obviously has no problem with it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I didn't see that, but I'm not surprised. This is the thing.
4: Whenever they don't get their way, the left they pretend that institutions are broken. They pretend that we're polarized and things are going horribly. They pretend that the courts not working, that the Senate's not working, that the electoral college isn't working. It's always the system. It's never them. And uh, so, I'm not surprised that they they see attacks on you know they're supposed to be norm defenders, but I'm not surprised that they they're not. Um, I think it's dangerous for the Republic. I mean, I think we're in trouble because it's gonna get worse. We're, Democrats only see legitimacy in getting their way. Everything else is illegitimate to them. Um, they haven't lost the presidential election since, uh, you know, uh, George Bush the first, right? When you really ask him, they didn't think George Bush was president, Trump wasn't president. Um, so this is a big problem moving forward and uh, it's becoming a dangerous problem in many ways. What as do you think see
0: happens? That. I mean, because I actually think this is, in some ways, also an existential threat to the court's credibility. What if, they, what if there's a change and you don't have five justices to actually, I, I'm not, it looks unlikely, but it could happen How because you mean, of the pressure, you I'm address- saying, you know, because of the threats, because of the leak.
4: I mean, that'd be disastrous if you know now and when we do know that the majority wants to overturn Roe v. Wade, a garbage decision that even liberals way back used to call garbage decision, um, then they were pressured by, by forces, uh, by, by a mob, essentially. And literally, the court. You know, I love that they, they 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 put forward a poll that says, "Oh, most people want to keep Roe v. Wade." And they're t- the Supreme Court exists not to look at a poll. The Supreme Court exists not to be pressured by the vagaries of electoral politics. Right? They exist to be able to work independently outside of that system. And yet. You know, they want to drag them into that either by threatening them in these ways that they have with this leak, et cetera, or, you know, or or and, and, and you know, it seems to me like Roberts sometimes falls for it. But we don't you know, they don't need Roberts to to move forward. And uh, so I hope that nothing changes for the for, for, because I want Roe v. Wade overturned, but also because of the legitimacy of the of the institution.
0: Very much so. David, thanks for being with us. Anytime. Thank you. A new report shows the high price many children paid for school shutdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming up, we'll talk to a contributing writer at Deseret News, Bethany Mandel, about the impact on America's students. Right now, I want to tell you about the newest sponsor to hold the line, The Silencer Shop. I'm a big Second Amendment guy, and for many gun owners, using a suppressor is absolutely necessary because it protects your hearing, improves your accuracy, minimizes recoil. Suppressors are 100% legal in 43 states, so if you want to practice safe, accurate shooting, the best way to get your suppressor is through the Silencer Shop. They have a variety of suppressors starting at just $365. My friends at the Silencer Shop are the industry leaders for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company that excel at customer service. Each phone call, email, direct message, or comment is answered promptly, and they treat you like family. Their customer reviews are amazing. you got to go check them out yourself. Get the details at the Silencer Shop website. That's silencershop.com. SilencerShop.com. They'll make silencer ownership easy. Go to silencershop.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. During the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, remote learning became the norm for millions of students as schools all over the country shuttered their doors and teachers unions protested in-person learning. Today, we continue to learn of the toll that remote learning had on America's schoolchildren in many communities. A report from the New York Times reads, Losses stemmed uh, from the time the students had spent learning remotely during the spring of 2020 when school buildings were almost universally closed. On average, they lost the equivalent of about 50% of a typical school year's math learning during the study's two-year window. Uh, Stunning. Joining me now to discuss this contributing writer at Deseret News, Bethany Mandel. Bethany, thanks for being with us.
6: Thank you so much, Mac.
0: So, you know, I, I think we can, we can all see that we've moved beyond the discussion about uh, whether school lockdowns were gonna be something that we could get through without massive learning loss. I, I think we also have to now add to this that there was no upside either. I mean, the article that, that, that New York yeah. Times piece goes on to say that there was no reduction in COVID, that children in areas where the schools were remote did not do better than children in terms of COVID and health than uh, places where they were actually in school, private and parochial schools in places like New York were open. I mean, I I just look at this and say, I feel like the left got this, the Democrats got this wrong, top to bottom in every possible way, and it's obvious now.
6: Yeah, no, and it was obvious back then too. I mean, we were all told that, you know, we just wanted to kill teachers and we wanted to kill kids and that's why we wanted schools open. And we acted as though all of these blue areas that kept the schools closed for a year and a half lived in a bubble. We saw, we should have seen what was happening in Europe, that they were able to reopen the schools safely, and we were also able to see, if we wanted to actually use our eyes and our ears, that they didn't even really need masks. Kids were not effective spreaders; they were not getting sick. We knew that in May of 2020, and I don't understand why we let this farce continue for as long as we did. Because, I mean, it's ending. It's ending up hurting kids. It's hurting Democrats. It's it's hurting every single thing that they claim to care about.
0: It's remarkable too because the whole basis for this, I think in a lot of ways, was that it was going to uh, make people healthier, protect them from COVID. And we've seen mm-hmm. that, as you mentioned, the mask situation, masking did not do anything for kids in schools whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have the data now, right? This isn't just theoretical yep. argument. And I think it's important to look at who's responsible for what here. The teachers' unions, led by, yep. as I call her, the education commissar, Randy Weingarten, uh, not only pushed and advocated for school closures, but worked directly with the Biden White House. I mean, it had meetings yep. and with Fauci and, and with the supposed health experts. The CDC, yep. And now, yeah, and now here she is, this was just a few days ago, saying, oh gosh, you know, our kids are in crisis because of those shut down schools. Watch this one.
2: Our
6: kids are in crisis. And we had a mental health crisis before COVID, but with, and, and Dr. Eng will talk about this far better than I do, but within, but, but for two years of disruption, two years of looking at the screens, two years of not having a normal kind of routine and rhythm, recovery is really tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, she wanted to make sure the schools were shut down so that overwhelmingly teachers, who are usually about twenty-five to forty-five, who are at basically no risk from COVID, could stay home.
6: Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, those were all the things they were screaming. I had a New York Post cover story in in the summer of of twenty twenty that said. We used to talk about the dangers of screens. And now we're pushing kids on screens constantly. It's their only source of social interaction when we know what social media does to teenage mental health. All of these things, nothing was a surprise none of these things were a secret and for them to say well now it can be said in the New York Times what I'm waiting for and this this has to come in a year because it, it can't come when it's convenient right now toddlers in New York City are still masked so there's absolutely no way the New York Times can admit that there's a there's some damage being done currently. They only can say it after the fact so in a year the New York Times will say you know it turns out that masking toddlers and very young children when they're learning how to talk and learning how to read and learning how to understand emotions and, and facial cues, it turns out that masking those children was damaging. But that will not be able to be said for at least a year because there's nothing that the New York Times can report upon at the moment that is inconvenient for what Democrats are doing at that moment.
0: It's not only on the issue of COVID where there's been a lot of, well, let's say, a political tumult lately in, when it comes to what, what's being taught to children. We also have uh, critical race theory, indoctrination and. As some have told me, it's not even about teaching critical race theory, but practicing aspects of critical race theory in the classroom, doing these separation of kids by uh, by skin color and having them, uh, you know, act out these CRT-based themes. Um, and yet, here is the would-be Ministry of Truth disinformation's are Nina Jankowitz on CRT in schools. Watch this. Critical race theory has become one of those hot button issues that uh, the Republicans and, and other, you know, disinformers um, who are engaged in disinformation for profit, frankly, there are plenty of, you know, media outlets that are making money off of this too,
6: have, have seized on. And I live in Virginia uh, and in Loudoun County, that's one of the areas um, where people have really honed in on this topic.
0: So is there CRT or not? I always find that so, informa- so in- interesting. Because it feels like depending on the month, the Democrat talking point is there is no CRT or the Democrat talking point is you don't know what CRT is or, you know, whatever.
6: Yeah, I mean, by all means, I hope that they continue gaslighting Americans because we're all seeing what our kids are coming home with now that Americans saw for two years what their kids were doing on Zoom right in front of their faces. This. Has been an inadvertent window into the American education system for millions of American parents, and they're not going to be able to close this window. They're not going to be able to convince parents to unsee what they've seen. By all means, keep on calling us like the the purveyors of disinformation and and putting these dystopian, frankly terrifying czars in front of us and saying, you know, they're they're here to save us from ourselves and and our own eyes and our own ears because it's. it's it's inexplicable that this is, this is the messaging that they're utilizing. But please, by all means, barrel forward until November.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that parents might be a big deciding factor in how these midterms go based on, I mean, obviously parents are going to matter a lot, there's a lot of them, but based on their votes uh, moving one way or the other on these issues, right? On CRT, on school closures, on all of it.
6: I mean I think yes the answer the short answer is yes there's going to be a lot of a lot of parents at the voting box who are going to make a really big impact in November but I think it's not just all of these issues it's the fact that democrats are showing no signs of self-reflection on what they did for the last two years on school closures and now they're showing absolutely no reflection on the toll that inflation and gas prices are taking on American families. If you look at the video of Biden, there was sort of jokes happening at the White House correspondence Dinner, and people said, you know. We, they can't afford. They can't afford to 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 be here. And then you see Biden in a tux, just laughing and yucking it up about about inflation. That was a Republican ad right there. That image of Biden just laughing about inflation, and they're they're still gaslighting us about the toll that it's taking. I filled up my minivan yesterday, and I made a point of going to the cheapest gas station in the area, and it cost me eighty two dollars. That is what parents are are scared about bigger cars, we have, we have minivans, all of these issues combined sort of lead us to understand that Democrats are not listening, they do not care, and they're much more willing to gaslight us about the problems than actually address them.
0: Bethany, thanks for being with us. Thanks. We're just weeks away from the potential lifting of Title 42, a move that's likely to inflame the already dangerous crisis in America's southern border. Executive Director of the Center for Immigration Studies, Mark Recorian has returned from the Rio Grande Valley. He's going to tell us what he saw when we come back. Let's, let's talk about protecting your most valuable asset for a moment. Um, you ever heard of home title theft? Because you should. Home title theft is when the bad guys, cyber thieves online, they forge your name off the title of your home, take over as the new owner. It's actually not hard for them to do. And it's growing a lot in terms of frequency as a crime. The FBI is warning people about this. You're not covered by homeowners insurance or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock has earned my trust. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they mobilize to help shut it down. Here's what I urge you to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, read the testimonials, and then number two, well, after number one, register your home address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck, Sex, and sense, you get my listener discount. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Mark Recorian stops by when we return. Stay with
5: us. Border enforcement can't just be at the border. You need to make it hard for people to get to the border through Mexico. You need to make it hard where possible to get across the border, but you also need to make it hard to stay in the United States so it's less appealing to try to cross the border in the first place through things like E-Verify, aggressive uh, immigration enforcement in the interior which under the Biden administration has essentially come to an end.
0: Crisis at the southern border continues unabated and although the Department of Homeland Security won't admit it ICE and CBP are more than overwhelmed with the amount of migrants flung through our border each day. Mark an executive director at the Center for Immigration Studies was recently at the Rio Grande Valley he just returned He joins now to tell us what he saw firsthand when he was down there. Mark, good to see you.
5: Likewise, thanks.
0: So you were just down at the border, Rio Grande Valley. I've been down to that part of the border. Uh, It was a while ago though, years ago.
5: What are you seeing? Uh, It's pretty bad. Um, The fact is they're getting more illegal immigrants in one day down there, just in one section of the border than the entire border would get on some days on most days under say the uh, Obama administration or most of the Trump administration. I mean, it's they're talking about one. This is the border is divided up into nine sectors by the border patrol. Each sector then has what they call stations. So it's a subset of a subset and just one station, the biggest one mind you in McAllen, Texas, which is all the way in South Texas, is on a regular day having 1,000 illegal alien apprehensions a day, and under Obama, his, board, his uh, head of DHS said 1,000 a day on the whole border meant it was going to be a bad day uh, for you know for him when he was in charge. So this really is whole orders of magnitude worse than anything the Border Patrol has seen before. Who is coming across at least at the
0: sector where you spend some time? I mean, can you give us a sense of, is it still the family units? Are there a lot of single adult males? I know they're coming from a lot of countries all over the world in the aggregate, but are there some countries that are still dramatically overrepresented in the illegal crossings?
5: The, uh, we actually talked to a Border Patrol agent down there. He's with the union, so he could talk to us because they can't retaliate against him. Uh, anyone else was barred from talking to us. But he said they get about half uh, illegal immigrants who turn themselves in. Who are mostly, you know adults coming with kids or so-called unaccompanied minors, who are all accompanied by smugglers, but you know, legally, it's a legal fiction, they're unaccompanied. So you've got about half of them are families, and there are some men in there, but they're with kids. The other half are people who don't want to turn themselves in because they're afraid they're going to get bounced back. And they're almost all single adult men. But you know, this is something I think people know by now, but it's not mainly Mexicans anymore. There's a lot of Mexicans still, there's no question about it. Lots of Central Americans too, but increasingly you're getting people who are not from Mexico or Central America. You're getting people from Cuba and Haiti, you're getting people from Colombia and Venezuela. And this Border Patrol agent told us, They're getting people from 157 different countries. They're getting people from Tajikistan and Romania and um, Mauritania and all over the place because the word has gotten out.
0: And uh, who is able to stay versus who, when I say stay, I mean, what's the criteria for being bounced back versus who's being let in as it stands right now in advance still of the removal of Title 42, which I believe is supposed to happen here in a couple of weeks.
5: The uh, This Title 42 order, it's a COVID-related public health order, lets the Border Patrol just bounce people back, no hearing, no nothing. Uh, Under Trump, they applied it to everybody. Under Biden, they've made all of these exceptions, so only about half the people are. is it applied to almost all single adult men, not exclusively, but mainly single adult men. The people who get to come in, especially, are those who bring a kid with them. A kid isn't 100% guarantee that you're just going to be let go into the US, but it's close to 100% guarantee. We went to a migrant center down there. Catholic Charities runs this big center where the border patrol drops people off and the bus station in McAllen, Texas is across the street. So Catholic Charities folks basically just kind of get people put together, help them call their relatives so they can wire the money to buy the bus ticket and then they kind of walk them across to the bus station. We saw a bunch of people like that. They're usually only there for a day or so, but they're almost all families. There's somewhere there's a kid involved because word's gotten out that if you bring a kid with you, that's your golden ticket to be let go into the United States. And and once, on what basis? I mean, the, the credible
0: fear and asylum component of this is that families that are falling into that categorization, or is that actually single adult males who just know the system well enough? I mean, and, and, and who, once they're let into the country, on what basis is it? is it? Is there a notice to appear? Are they supposed to show up in an asylum court? I mean, what, what happens to those who, if you're not in the turned away category, Mark, what
5: are you essentially in the
0: process?
5: you are given what they call a notice to appear, which is like um, a charging document. In other words, that you're an illegal alien, and you have to come to court. Now, that is the first thing you need in order to make an asylum claim. But they're actually not even doing these so-called credible fear interviews, which are like the first cut, where basically they decide, you know, is Mickey Mouse talking to you through your dental work? Or are you telling some story that's at least vaguely plausible? They don't even get to that step. They're just giving these people the paper, this paperwork that says turn yourself in at such and such place, and um, saying uh, have a nice day and just letting them go. So you know, there's all kinds of people who are being let go who won't even be able to pass that first screening test because. They just got so many people. They're just, it's like Lucy in the Bonbon bon Factory. If you remember that old cartoon from I Love Lucy, where the candy's coming across the uh, assembly line, they're just trying to move people out as fast as they can. And when this Title 42 order is lifted, it was supposed to be later this month. It's almost certainly going to be delayed at this point because of court doings, uh, but it's going to end at some point. It may double or even triple. The number of people who are coming across the border, basically the number of you know pieces of candy on that uh, uh, conveyor belt in the Lucy uh, show, and they're just going to end up letting people go even faster.
0: In March of 2021, Mark, we saw 173,000 encounters. March of 2022 was reported there were 221,000 encounters at the border. How do you actually stop this if? I mean, maybe not entirely, obviously, but how would you dramatically reduce this number so that illegal immigration would be weighed down and there would be operational control of the border again?
5: You go back to the policies that Biden ended on the day he was sworn in and caused all of this. You um, expand, remain in Mexico. A court is requiring them, this administration to do it, which is to say, instead of letting people go, you send them back across the border to wait in Mexico for their hearing date. They're doing it grudgingly, but they only have like a few hundred people in it, and there's thousands of people every month, Like you said, two hundred thousand people a month coming across. Number one, number two, you detain people more. You build you know tent city kind of things and build them. The army knows how to do that. You detain them, you don't let them go. Number three, you have what these are what are called safe third country agreements, where if you pass through another country, where you should have applied for asylum because they have an asylum system. You don't get to apply here. We send you back there and you have to apply there. And there's a whole list of other things we need to do, but you need to enforce the law under this administration. They don't see their job as stopping the illegal flow. They see their job as processing it as quickly and as expeditiously and as efficiently as possible. And that's not supposed to be their job. Mark, thanks so much for bringing this to us.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you. Capitol Police look like they're preparing for a new insurrection, but uh, this time it's from Abortion Advocate. We'll talk to you about that coming up in Quick Hit. Stay with us. Apparently, Capitol Police are preparing for a pro-abortion insurrection, and The View delivers again giving two more reasons why it is, in fact, the dumbest show on television. Pretty remarkable you think about it. That's a, that's a high bar. Those stories and quick hits, let's get to it. First of all, why was the Supreme Court draft opinion leaked? Well, because the left is insane and they think that uh, abortion is the most important thing that this country has ever, has ever protected and ever done. Abortion is the, is the central pillar, really emotionally, psychologically of the Democrat Party, which is appalling, tells you a lot about their mindset, but they leak the opinion because they want to try to get pressure on the judges to change their minds, the justices. That's why you have these non-scalable fences around the Supreme Court building in D.C., because everybody recognizes that there could be and is likely to be rioting over this, especially after the decision becomes official, if in fact it does do with the draft Indicates it will do, which is overturn Roe v. Wade. So uh, we know that this is the situation. We know that the left riots. The left doesn't get their way. They throw tantrums. They burn things down. They attack people, and they claim to be victims the whole time. Uh, They are going to go into a frenzy. I mean, you're going to see a lot of people on the left losing their minds on this issue, and it's it's a shame, but that is what's going to happen here, and it could get very very ugly. Um, Whoopi Goldberg had a moment here on The View where she is she uh, unable to even make a, a coherent argument about why abortion is such an important right. So she just does the usual talking points here about it. is about me and my doctor and my child. Wait, hold on a second. It's a child? I thought that they said it wasn't a child. Watch this.
2: But I will tell you, this is my body, and nobody, you you know, you got people telling me I gotta wear a mask or don't wear a mask or do this. Everybody wants to tell me what to do, but you won't let me make my decision about my body. You are not the person to make that decision. My doctor and myself and my child, that's who makes the decision.
0: My doctor and myself and my child. The child in the womb does not actually get to make the decision and should be protected by the state because this is a really big deal and it is a human life. And we don't actually live in a society where you just get to take human life because it's inconvenient. Or we have lived in that society, but we shouldn't. And then there's Joy Behar, who offers up this bit of uh, political strategy. Watch.
6: Women in the world have conducted sex strikes in history. In 2003, okay. a sex strike, a strike helped, helped to end Liberia's brutal civil war. Get and the die. woman who, charged, who started it was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. In 2009, Kenyan women enforced a sex ban until political infighting ceased. Within one week, uh-huh. there was a stable government. Okay, so we have more power than we think we have. And some of it could be right in the bedroom. Just
0: saying. A sex strike. And there are so many jokes that I could make here, but I will refrain because I just think that you should see that. And um, yeah, Joey Behar, sex strike. That's going to get them what they want on this one. Good luck with that. Ohio Republican congressional nominee J.R. Majewski released a Let's Go Brandon rap watch.
4: They want to make us woke and force us to get the vax Senting pictures with the Pope will get us to all relax Not to poke fun at dementia, it's a serious disease Disease. But come on, man, squeeze your cheeks when you sneeze (laughs) Uh Joe is focused on ice cream while he's crapping his pants We want our dreams and our freedom This is our last chance This is the hill we die on this the line in the sand. We here, no one on the battlefield. United, we stand. Provided we, we fall, we need to finish the war. They want to raise all our taxes. We done with them all. A rendezvous with destiny. Take the house in 22. Just try to put a mask on me. You'll see red, white, and blue. Everything well goes to shh. But
0: let's go, Brandon's a hit. That's ever tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Fields High.
3: giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning.
0: The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes. The families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11
1: a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, t.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has
0: the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo,
1: and the coldness of Michael.